Welcome to a very somber edition of Defenders of the Bank with Philly and Bleh, the scarf. We are calling this episode Bank Robbery. Ugh. What a dreadful evening of football at the bank. More on that in just a bit. Today's episode will really be a short one. Scarf and I are quite distressed with tonight's performance. I will say this is a first. We've covered losses before. We lost to Vancouver. We lost to Colorado. But I'll say this. None of those losses are as significant, nor do they hurt as much as this loss at the bank. Huh, Scarf? So, so frustrating to watch this game. Look, we finally got the Beatles back together on the back line with our four defenders. I really felt like this was our chance to kind of put past us what we've done in some of the big games. Look, it happened in Houston where we lost on PKs. It happened last year against Real Salt Lake in the playoff game. And here we go again in the biggest game that we've played so far this year. And we come up with no goals and a really frustrating effort at the bank. By the way, the optics on television, because unfortunately I got stuck at work until just before 11 o'clock tonight, the optics on television, it was not a sold-out bank. I was very surprised. This was the final eight in what to me was honestly a de facto final. I feel like whoever wins this game has a pretty good shot at winning the whole thing, although Minnesota looked pretty good tonight. Atlanta looked okay tonight. But, I mean, I thought we had a shot at going all the way in the Open Cup. So, so frustrating to watch this game. Indeed, it was. Look, we're going to give you a short episode. We're going to skip this day in LAFC history. We're just going to give you the recap versus the pesky pine trees of Portland. We're going to give you our wait. What? Moment of the game. And we're also going to give you what's next on our schedule. And that pretty much is going to be it. Now... Our opponent this evening, as stated previously, was the pesky pine trees of Portland. This is a team that we have bested all season long. When we last played them, we brought a whole slew of supporters when they opened up Providence Park for the first time this season. If there is any place I am confident in saying that we will always win, it's going to be in the stands. We brought 1,000 supporters, give or take, to Portland. Today... I don't know, they brought maybe 20. In all fairness to the Portland Timbers and the Timber Army, it was a midweek matchup. But regardless, had we been scheduled to go back to Providence Park, I firmly believe we would have brought way more fans to Providence Park than what the Timbers Army brought to Bank of California Stadium. I am positive the indigestion of the couple who sat three rows in front of me happened to be much louder than whatever number the Timbers Army brought in. Anyway. Yeah, look, Philly, if there's something that we have shown the entire MLS, it is that by far LAFC has the best fans in the entire MLS. I know that some teams have been around longer. In fact, almost every team has been around longer. I know that some teams have a deeper history. Some teams have more championships. Some teams have a longer history of having like an ultras culture or whatever it might be. But there is nothing like walking into Bank of California Stadium and an hour before the game and a half hour after the game, you've got the 3252 igniting the building 
look, it plays well on television. It is the sole reason why a ton of people have become LAFC fans seeing this in person. There aren't teams out there that bring it like we do. Like you and I said, Philly, when we were up there in Portland, it was louder for the Portland Thorns game the day after than it was for the Portland Timbers army that we saw against us at LAFC. Yeah, we kept yelling, we can't hear you. And without a fact, that was there. Now, you could call the Open Cup what it is. You can say, oh, it's not, it doesn't really matter. But I'll tell you what. LAFC supporters, they came out in numbers. We nearly had 19,000 supporters at the bank. To give you the actual attendance figures, 18,947. I looked around some of the highlights in the MLS. For example, Orlando versus NYCFC, they were lucky if they would have gotten the 947 fans. (laughs) It didn't look packed at all. We filled up a Bank of California stadium. I even brought one of my buddies, Matias. He had never been to an LAFC game. He had never experienced what he was. And you know what? He was utterly impressed. So if there's anywhere where I could say we freaking won today was in the stands. Anyway, let's get to the game. I mentioned what happened during the MLS regular season. That does not matter. We are in the Lamar Hunt Open Cup tournament. The MLS regular season, again, Doesn't matter, but surely, after the way we played Portland this season, we should have had the psychological edge, especially considering the fact that we are playing at the bank tonight. The last time these two teams faced off was in Portland on June the 1st. Scarf, that's a game you and I remember quite vividly, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. We opened up Portland's Providence Park with a 3-2 victory, a hard-fought victory, and one of those games that I know you and I will never forget. The atmosphere was absolutely incredible. That was our first time sitting in the beer showers and just being a part of the traveling 32-52 for an away game. Absolutely incredible. But look, like you said, nothing that happened in that game, nothing that happens in our previous history matters in a one-and-done match like this in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Final eight teams, and we could not get out of it. So let's get to the lineups. Of course, LAFC come out in their typical 4-3-3. Now, I had mentioned, Philly, that we got the Beatles back together on the back line. Tell us who started in the 4-3-3. So, we have to say this, and he deservedly so got the start today. We had Sinister Cisniega between the pipes. He really was our MVP for this matchup. This game could have been a lot uglier than 1-0. He was between the pipes. We had Jordan Harvey. Eddie Segura, Walker Zimmerman, welcome back from your international duty, my friend. Stephen Betashore making up that back line. Like you said, the Beatles are back together. Our midfield, Mark Anthony Kay, Edward Atuesta, Latif Blessing, very consistent lineup. Our forwards, Diego Rossi, Christian Ramirez, and Carlos Vela. How did Portland look today, Scarf? Sorry, Philly, you mentioned Christian Ramirez was out there today? Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. I didn't I didn't see. He him. was. All right, moving on. Portland came out in their 4-2-3-1. Steve Clark, who absolutely committed a handball later in the game, and we'll get back to that in a little bit. We had Valentin Cascante, Mabiala, and Morera there on the back line. And look, say what you want. I thought Morera played an excellent game today on the back line. We had Paredes Ebabise and of course my least favorite player in the league, Diego Chara. I absolutely can't stand Diego Chara. We had Blanco Loria and one of the most talented players in the MLS, Brian Fernandez, out there to finish the lineup for Portland. And just real quick, in our 18, I absolutely loved our 18 today. It was a pretty standard 18 with Tyler Miller 
being out there, along with, of course, Dio, Blackman, Mohammed El Munir. We also had Lee Wynn out there on the 18, which was nice to see him back out there on the 18 again. And Josh Perez, so we can play a little bit of Name That Perez because we named A Perez. That was Josh Perez. And, of course, Fito Zelaya rounding out our 18. We'll get into who got into the match out of our 18 in just a little bit. But let's get to kickoff. Real quick, real quick, just flashbacks. You mentioned Dio. We mentioned Open Cup. We mentioned being back at the bank. I can't help but have flashbacks of that game in which we did beat Portland. But the only time I ever felt any animosity towards this franchise, I will say as a result of the Open Cup from last season. Not only was Dio called a absolutely bad word that we will not repeat on this podcast, but these pansies from Portland had the audacity to petition our disqualification out of the Open Cup because... We had too many international players on our roster. Well, up yours, Portland. Man, did I have a bit of animosity. I really wanted to come in and chop down these trees. I thought we would. Anyway, that's my little rant. Let's get into this game. Early on in the matchup, we came out of the box hot. Second minute, Latif had a shot on goal from outside of the box that went way too high. Fifth minute, Mark Anthony K. I will say this. If you pay attention to K, he has been quite aggressive. This is a young man who is extremely hungry. It's going to pay off at some point. But in his fifth minute, Diego Rossi connected with K. He had a shot. That missed to the right. We came out hot. We could have had a couple opportunities. Unfortunately, instead of scoring goals, we were kicking field goals. Twelfth minute made me realize how much we missed Walker Zimmerman in the back line. He kicks a ball away, saving a shot in which Portland had an opportunity. We need Walker Zimmerman. Despite not playing in his last game for the U.S. men's national team, Walker Zimmerman proved that he can hang with these boys. I don't know what playing for the U.S. men's national team does for any of y'all. But what it does tell me is that he is an international talent. He can compete with these boys. And at the very least, he got a bit of experience. We need his presence and his leadership in that back line in order to become successful. Yeah, you know, no doubt about that. I was actually really frustrated that Walker didn't get to play in that Gold Cup final against Mexico. And look, we're not going to break down the U.S. versus Mexico game, but it was a tale of two halves out there. And I thought Greg Berhalter came out with a perfect lineup and perfect tactics there in the first half. We had Mexico playing back on their heels. But what you saw after halftime, by the way, was Tata Martino making some incredible adjustments. And just like I felt we played Vancouver downhill in our 6-1 victory, It seemed like Mexico was playing downhill the entire second half, and I don't know why Burhalter didn't come in with a defensive adjustment and get Walker Zimmerman out there on the back line to stabilize things. Walker is truly one of the best defenders in the United States, and again, it is great to see the Beatles back together again, although not quite, and we'll talk about that just a little bit because I don't think Stephen Bateshore's hamstring is quite 100% yet, but it was good to see the boys back together again. No, and you bring up a good point. Right around the eighth minute, Beta took a knock as he was falling to the ground. He just came back from hamstring injury, 
and he's not exactly the youngest player on the team. While he may have X-Men healing ability compared to you and I, Scarf, he isn't going to heal as quickly as a defender who is in their late teens and early 20s. And there were plenty of moments in which him and Harvey got beat. Harvey actually did have a couple of unbelievable plays, which we will touch on in a bit. But that knock on Betashore was rather concerning. But I'll say this, had it not been for players such as Eddie Segura, Walker Zimmerman, and of course, Sinister Cisniega, I firmly believe we could have lost this matchup three to nil. Fast forward. Let's move on. Yeah. 27th minute. A hungry K had another shot outside of the box that went wide and high to the left. He is far more aggressive. He's playing with a lot more confidence having spent some time with the Canadian national team. Normally when he plays for Canada, he's over in the back line. They moved him into a comfortable situation in which he was playing in the midfield. He is hungry. He's going to come through. It's like a batter who is hitting home runs in the beginning of the season and isn't doing so as the season progresses. As long as he keeps swinging the bat, if you Try to hit big. Sometimes you'll miss big, but sometimes you'll definitely hit big. It's only a matter of time before he actually comes through and punches in some more goals. But truthfully, the saving grace of this first half was sinister Pablo Cisniega. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right, by the way, Mark Anthony Kerr. We saw it in the in the Vancouver match. He absolutely fired one home. He had just missed one right before that. And look, you guys have heard me say it time and time and time again. It's the quote, I live my life by Wayne Gretzky. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Mark Anthony K has been taking shots this season. And if you have sat anywhere near me in the Founders Club or heard me watching a game anywhere at any of the watch parties we've been to, you know that I am yelling, shoot the ball, because you cannot score if you do not shoot. Mark Anthony K rifled one home last game, and he came close on a couple of efforts this time. But you're absolutely right. And for the idiot that wrote on Facebook, adios Cisniega, on the LAFC fans page, were you watching any of the game today or any of the Open Cup run, this kid proved he belongs. Now, look, you can have a debate if you want over who's going to be the starter. Is it going to be Tyler Miller or Pablo Cisniega going forward? I firmly believe that just because you play for your country, you do not deserve to lose your starting role. But there is no denying how great Pablo Cisniega was. Not good, but how great Pablo Cisniega was throughout this Open Cup run, and I applaud Bob Bradley for giving him the start in this game, and I firmly believe, had we moved forward into the next Open Cup round, that this was Pablo Cisniega's to take all the way through to the final and through to the championship if we were to win the Open Cup. This kid has proved himself he is a legit goalkeeper in the MLS. Without a doubt. The 30th minute, Christian Paredes had a shot made all of us at the bank leap out of our seats and yell, Holy Cisniega! I could have said something far more vulgar, but it wouldn't have gotten on this podcast. He had a tremendous save. Two minutes later, Maviala, a header saved by Sinister Cisniega. Again, he has some really, really good reaction time. He has proven this time and time again. Despite the mistake that he made the last game, we still destroyed the Vancouver Whitecaps 6-1. to one. This kid has proven that he is a gamer and a very, very valuable asset to this club. And I'm glad I didn't read that comment. Adios, Cisniega. You're right. Buddy, 
how could you even like say that? This kid had tremendous saves. You clearly don't understand the game if you have any audacity to talk negatively about Cisniega because had it not been for him, we could have gotten our rear ends handed to us at the conclusion of this matchup. Yeah, Philly, and I know you'll agree with me when I say, look, halftime stats in this game were extremely misleading, especially in terms of possession. We actually led possession 60-40 at halftime, but there was not one legitimate scoring chance, especially inside the box, generated by LAFC, in my opinion. Portland had the better chances. They looked more cohesive. They were generating better offense throughout the first half, and it was just so frustrating because I think, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on too, Portland, I believe, had nine fouls through the first half. Pablo Cisniega had to come up with three or four incredible saves. We went into halftime 0-0, but I don't think Bob was very happy with the way we were playing at all. No shots on goal. No shots on goal. And we'll actually talk about when the first shot on goal came because I even barely remembered it and I didn't even realize it was our only shot on goal for the entire game. Truthfully, it wasn't even really a shot on goal. Yeah, no, you know, and with Walker just coming back from the men's national team and Beta still coming back from the hamstring injury, our defense looked a little out of place at times in the first half. And again, you had mentioned his name in the starting lineup, but where was Christian Ramirez in the entire first half? I just did not feel like he was generating much pressure at all. And as we come out of halftime, you know, it was really in the 60th minute, Philly, that I feel like things changed for the worse for both LAFC and for the chippy nature of the game. You look, and all of a sudden, the referee began to find his cards. We had Eddie Segura pick one up at 62 minutes. We had Mabiala pick one up at 66. Moreira picked one up at 68. And then Dio, in the 70th minute, who had just come on for Christian Ramirez. Yeah, he had a cup of coffee, and boom, yellow card. You know what frustrates me, too, is Ramirez looked over. He saw the substitution board come up and gave a thumbs up and started jogging off. I'd be pissed if I was coming out of the game, if I was Chris Ramirez. I don't want to leave the field. Yeah, I get that there are tactics involved, and I'd much rather have Dio pushing up for the final 20 minutes of the game because I think what Dio has realized is that it's not a matter of who starts the game but who finishes it for Bob's squad. So I was happy to see Dio come on in the 64th minute. But Christian Ramirez, I mean, he gave us nothing in this game so Dio comes in in the 64th and promptly, welcome to the game. Here's a yellow in the 70th. But Philly, let's talk about the play that Jordan Harvey made in the 72nd minute. Man, he, it was quite impressive. I mean, he was, he had a situation where we were on the offensive end of the ball and he, uh, an eh kind of a shot. Really great passing happened to the point where he actually received the ball outside of the box. And, I mean, the ball was taken from him. But as Portland was progressing upside to the goal, this boy, Jordan Harvey, God bless you, man, he ran and made an incredible tackle, blocking and tackling Brian Fernandez in a situation in which he had an opportunity to do something with the ball. It goes to show you that sometimes you mess up. But you know what? You get back on your feet and you go back and hustle and to go from one end of the pitch to the other, messing up on one side of the offense, hustling back onto the defense and thwarting an opportunity for Portland to score a goal. Hats off to you, Jordan Harvey. 
That was an incredible play and something that definitely stuck out to me as a bright note within the course of this abysmal matchup. Yeah, you know, Philly, I actually really like the first two substitutions, too, by Bob Bradley in this game. We had Dio, like we said, coming on on the 64th, and I feel like he gave a much better presence (coughs) both inside the box and then as a box-to-box forward as the game progressed. And I thought in the 78th minute, Tristan Blackman coming in for Steven Betashore, it was clear that Beta was done. He still has not found his form yet coming back from a hamstring injury in Philly, as you know, from hamstring injuries. Ah. They can be a little tough to come back from, especially if you are running up and down the pitch several kilometers at a time there for our defenders. We, we've gotten a lot out of Beta, but that hamstring really does seem to be bothering him. So 78th minute, we got Tristan for Beta. It's kind of a like-for-like sub in that one, but a little bit more energy. And I thought, you know, our third sub was really going to depend on how the game dictated itself over the final 15 minutes. And unfortunately, we'll talk about Jordan Harvey again. It was a bad deflection. You know, Harvey was able to poke that ball away. So much attention came to Brian Fernandez in the box. So it really was just trying to get the ball away from him. And, and unfortunately, look, it let at the feet to Jeremy Ebabise. And there was not a whole lot that Pablo Cisnier could do on that ball. He put it right between his ear and his shoulder blade out there on the shot. A really tough angle and a great shot there by Jeremy Ebabise. And for all of you wondering, it wasn't offside because it was Jordan Harvey yep. who made a deliberate play with the ball. And it just happened to fall at the feet of Ebabise for the goal, which led to a pretty reactionary sub. I, I talked about how the third sub would kind of depend on how the game would play out. And clearly what we've seen from Bob Bradley, and it's worked many, many times throughout the season, is when he brings in Mohamed El Munir, it's to push up with one of our defenders and to really create some more chances on the offensive end. And sure enough, it was Mohamed El Munir coming in as the final sub. It really hurt to see Ebabisi score because, I mean, you could obviously say, I mean, he was in that offside position had it not been for Harvey. Harvey had been playing pretty darn good defense up to that moment. It was really tough and very gutting to see Ebabisi hit the back of the net. He's hit the back of the net against us on another occasion. And I will say this, he's starting to become a bit of a pain in the neck, you know, hashtag Demir Kralock style. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was it was a really, really tough Tough goal to swallow. And that took the steam out of us. And all throughout the Bank of California Stadium, all 19,000 fans, a lot of the steam came out of the stadium, except for our beloved 3252. These guys kept going despite the fact that Ebabisi scored on us. And I got to say, I love the 3252 deeply for this because I'm a very passionate man. I get really into the game. I focus a lot on what's going on, and I take my notes, obviously, for this podcast. That goal by Ebba Bisi deflated me. But the thing that kept me going was the fact that the 3252 only got louder after that goal was scored. It really had a big impact on me. I was upset, sad, angered, couldn't get up to cheer right away. I needed to compose myself because I was quite flabbergasted, but had it not been for the 3252... Oh, I don't know if I could have been able to get up and and witness the rest of this matchup. Yeah, you know, what we saw from the team is after that, they really started throwing everybody forward. You know, in the 89th minute, I thought we really began to wake up. Although, I know Dio had our only shot on goal of the game in the 86th. 
it barely registered to me as a shot on goal. But you had Tristan just putting one over the crossbar in the 89th minute. Vela had an incredible free kick there in the 90th, but it, it did seem like Steve Clark kind of read that one all the way. Let's talk about the 94th minute real quick. Latif Blessing throwing himself forward, had possession of the ball, got bodied off of it pretty hard. And this is one of those times where I think the referees need to do a much better job of understanding that it's not just the fact that Latif is a small guy. Latif didn't just go down inside the box. Latif bounced off the defender, and I personally believe there should have been a call on that play as Latif had possession taken down in the box. Look, there's two ways to take people down. One is from a direct ball going near their legs and really looking like you take someone down. And the other is from a body block that he took there. Really thought there should be a call. Look, 94th minute, we didn't get the call on that. Really frustrated. We had one last good attempt, Philly. Oh, the near bicycle sick. by Carlos Vela. This guy, we're talking about the MVP of the league right now, a guy who had just gone down pretty hard a few minutes earlier, and here he is attempting a bicycle on a last gasp effort. I love Carlos Vela. He is so easy to watch during the game when he's doing things well, but when adversity hits, this is the guy you want on that wall. You need him on that wall. Let's hope that Carlos Vela is okay. The whistle blows after about 96 minutes of action, and Philly, just like that, the Open Cup run is over. I I mean, I can't believe it. I mean, this one is going to sting. We had a strong lineup. We didn't go in there trying to screw around. We came in here wanting to cut heads off. The chemistry seemed off. Vela didn't have his best game. I know we're not going to win every single game we play. This was a bitter bitter pill to swallow. We lost at home to a team that we have beaten all season long. Yes, I know they turned their season around. I know the addition of Brian Fernandez really added a jolt into this Portland lineup, but it doesn't matter. We lost at home. It's always going to sting. One piece of hardware that we had in our sights is no longer there. I hope we can use this loss as a learning experience and as a way to kind of take away the arrogance that we have as a team and as a fan base. I thought we would annihilate this team. I, as a fan myself, came in cocky thinking that we would take our axe and chop down these flannel-wearing people from Portland. That's the nicest thing I could say on this podcast, but that wasn't the case. We lost. Hats off to Portland. They played well. They played a much better game, and truthfully, the momentum is on their side. Yeah, you know, Philly, I think what we've seen now is a little bit of a formula and how to get past LAFC, and we'll talk about it in the final game numbers. But what we've seen, we saw it with Vancouver a little bit. We saw what Portland tried to do when we were up there in Providence Park. We saw it, I believe, in the Real Salt Lake playoff loss that we had last year. If you can be physical with LAFC and put the game in the hands of the referees. And we're talking about 20 plus fouls in this game. Several on Carlos Vela, several on Latif Blessing, really sending a message. You know, this is a way 
that Bob Bradley is going to have to figure out how to play against other teams if they're going to be overly physical like this. In my opinion, we've got to keep throwing guys forward and keep drawing the fouls, do the best we can to have that referee get out his book and flash some yellow as early as you can in the game. It's an old theory in basketball. If they're going to keep fouling you, get to the line and make your free throws. Well, get in the box, make some plays, get the referee to call some fouls. He'll show some yellows. They won't show much restraint. And then Portland has to play back on their heels or whoever plays us like this has to get back on their heels. And before we get into the game recap, one other thing that I just want to say too, again, I don't know if Pablo is going to get a chance to play much more for us, but let's just take another second to realize the great job that Pablo Cisniega did navigating us through this tournament with the Open Cup. We've had the pleasure of watching Luis Lopez play for Honduras throughout the Gold Cup, and I have to tell you, he did not look great. Look, I love Booba. I know he was probably supposed to be the starting goalie for us instead of Tyler Miller last year. But the two goalies that we have back there right now for LAFC might be the best one-two punch in the MLS, especially because I don't know how many other teams out there know what they've got in their backup goalie the way that we know what we've got in Pablo Cisniega. So, Philly, let's break down the final numbers for the game. Ugh. So the final score... Again, it guts me to say this. Portland won, LAFC, nothing. Possession dominated this game, which is actually something we didn't do the last time we played against Portland. Yep. But possession, LAFC 61 to Portland's 39. Shots. Whew, this one hurts. Yeah. We took 11 shots with one. Get this? One on goal. Portland, 11 shots. Tied us in that regard, but five on goal. 20% of Portland's shots on goal made it past Cisniega. For you mathematicians out there, that's one out of five. Fouls. You can't say that the referees weren't calling this game because there was, whew, what are we looking at here? 21 fouls for Portland with just 11 for LAFC and so look, a lot of fouls in a game. That, that's what I'm talking about. This is the 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 theory now for how to beat LAFC. It's like the old hack a shack thing. Absolutely, it's hack a black and gold. Absolutely, and you know what? You mentioned it there at the top of the scoreline, and that brings us to our wait what, what moment of the podcast, and that's that we, we lost at home. Yeah, there's nothing more shocking that we could think of than we lost at home to a team that. We are better than. I'm sorry. They got lucky. Yeah. They stole one from us on the road. Portland, I will say, is going to be a very scary team should they make the playoffs. Yes, they are on a run, but let's be frank here. They are not in contention for it yet. Their winning streak could easily come to an end. Yes, they're getting their stuff together, but I would be much more afraid of San Jose at this point than Portland. Go ride your momentum. Go ride your 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 open cup wagon, you're not going to make it much further than what you've done right now. Go into the next semifinal, cocky. I can't wait to see you all lose. Look, I know what you and I are both looking forward to is hearing Wonderwall after Minnesota beats Portland in the semifinal. A couple other things, too, I want to mention. Maybe. <laughs> a couple of things, too, I want to mention. We, we talked about it a little bit, but the 84th minute non-call on the takedown there by Latif Blessing. Also, 
the ball where Steve Clark came all the way out of goal, Vela kind of took a knock, it seemed like, on his upper thigh or his quad, whatever it might have been. That was a handball outside the box on Steve Clark that was totally missed. Could have given us another shot at a free kick, and we have been pretty solid on set pieces lately. But look, bottom line is we lost one nothing. The Open Cup run is over, but we don't have a lot of time to rest, Philly. Just 48 hours, and not even that, by the way. It's actually like 45 and a half, 46 hours after this game kicked off. We've got to go to Houston a team that always plays us tough, even though, look, I know they're only in seventh place in the table right now. They are in the playoffs because, again, this year the playoff format has changed. Top seven make the playoffs. This is a playoff team that we are playing in an MLS game. This one counts. Houston was eliminated from the Open Cup. They have been able to get their lineup straight. They've got everybody back. They are obviously more rested than an LAFC team that played 48 hours before it. And here's what I'm going to say too. Going into this game, I hope Carlos Vela is okay. I hope Steven Bateshore is able to find a little bit of rest and relief on that hamstring. But I'm going to say this, and I said this in our podcast a couple of podcasts ago, that I think this is a game that we try to play for a scoreless draw on the road. Maybe we park the bus. Maybe we do the best we can to just get guys out of there healthy and without injury. I'm going to say that I don't think we should start Stephen Betashore in this next game. I don't think we should start Carlos Vela. That's right. I'm saying it right here on this podcast. Give him a I break. don't think we should start Carlos Vela in this game, and I don't think we should start Jordan Harvey in this game. One of the things that I liked about the injury report before the match was that Danilo Silva was not on it. So he is now completely healthy. We saw how well Dayon Jakovic played in our last game as well. Let's get Danilo Silva and Dayon Jakovic some extra minutes. Let's rest Steven Betashore. Let's rest Jordan Harvey. And he came back from an incredible tour with Jamaica. Why not? Give Peter Lee Vassell some run on the wing. Give Carlos Vela a little bit of a break. Look, if he wants to come in in the 50th or the 60th or the 75th minute to get some run and attack for 15, 20 minutes, that's fine. But I'm saying it right here. This now, our season is about three things. Beating Carson on the 19th, beating Carson in August, and winning the MLS Cup. The Open Cup run is over. The Supporters' Shield would be nice. But to me, it's about our first two wins against Carson, and it's about winning the MLS Cup. So you need to make the long play now and start resting a guy like Carlos Vela who picks up a knock like this just 48 hours later, throwing him into the lineup and playing 90 minutes. Look, I don't need to tell Bob Bradley how to coach his team. Just some thoughts here from the scarf. Carlos Vela said it in his press conference the last game around. The season's going fantastic, but if they don't win an MLS Cup, it's in vain. Nobody cares about having a fantastic season if you don't win the big title. Just ask the New England Patriots when David Tyree and his amazing helmet catch ended their undefeated season. Nobody remembers second place. I sure as heck don't. For anybody out there who can name me all the second place teams throughout the duration of the MLS from 96 up till now without their iPhone, I'll be quite impressed. No one really cares about that. Second place is the first loser. 
to quote Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> and that's all I have to say for this. We have a game in a couple of days. Not really a day and three quarters. I'm done. You right. got anything else to say, Scarf? I do have just one other last thing. I want to say a big congratulations to Julio Ramos, the mayor, for the honorary Falconer duties tonight. Congratulations, uh, yes. man. That was awesome. Being able to see that out there, that was really cool. So congrats on being the honorary Falconer tonight. One last other thing I want to mention, and you and I talked about it on our Instagram. Take a look at the big signing by the Seattle Sounders today. If you have some time after you're done listening to this, on the way to work, in the car, whatever it might be, take two seconds and Google the Seattle Sounders page and see who they signed today. It was an incredible signing. It was a goalie from a little-known soccer team up in Seattle called the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And you got to take a look there. I absolutely love stories like this. Of course, we highlighted one of our Make-A-Wish recipients for LAFC a little bit earlier in the season, but just one of those cool moments that you realize that sometimes, look, we really want to win an Open Cup, and winning and losing is really important, but at the end of the day, a lot of these teams have a responsibility that is so much greater than just wins and losses on the field. So take a look at the signing by the Seattle Sounders uh, earlier today. We hope that you guys enjoy this. It'll be July the 11th when a lot of you are listening to this. Look, we're all bummed out there, but we've got a game in less than 48 hours against Houston, and this one counts in the MLS standings. Look, Philly, now that the Open Cup is over, we can get back to saying it. We're not only the best in the West, but we are... The best in the MLS. That's right. So we feast on the East, and we... Best the West. It's really weird for me leading that. Usually it's you that leads that, but look... I'm upset. This next game counts Houston at Houston... I don't like Houston. They scored in the 90 plus four and the 90 plus six. One of the last times we played them, they beat us on PKs to kick us out of the open cup last year. This to me is as big of a rivalry game as we have. If we're calling Portland a rival, it matters just as much as any of those other games. Look, I get they tried to manufacture something with the California cup with San Jose and all of that. But look, we have one true rival in the MLS. That's Carson. I really don't like Portland. I really don't like Houston. And I really don't like losing. And that's pretty much it for the episode. I don't really like anybody in the MLS but us. I might have a soft spot for NYCFC. You but, like Matriza. Well, yeah, because, I mean, he's, he's, he's a fellow gypsy, much like myself. But anyway, that's all the time we have today on this episode of Defenders of the Bank. We are calling it ro- a bank robbery, robbery at the bank. I don't know, whatever. It doesn't matter. I want to put this behind us. We move on to bigger and better things. I'm glad you mentioned Seattle signing. You're looking at it from a glass half full perspective as opposed <laughs> to like me looking at a glass bottoms up, whiskey going down the hatch, my perspective. But we're going to call it a day. We'll sign off the way we normally do. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.